Hello, Mike. Hello, Julian. Mike, you ever tried unlearning something? I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what I'm talking about either. But I know someone who does know what I'm talking about, or rather what she's talking about. Let's find out how to unlearn with Periwinkle. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Ho. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Hello. And who is? Hello. 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 Hi, Julian. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hello. Hello. I'm excellent. Thank you. Excellent. A pleasure to meet you. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you very much for coming on. So, have you heard or seen an episode of an episode of the Veterinary Ramblings? I did a just a couple of them, but I have to make it as a habit now because now we have started to put it on YouTube which is quite handy. Great. Good. You, you'll, have, you'll have found out from those two that there's no consistency. We just have a chat. And yeah. it's called ramblings because we, we tend to let the conversation evolve. It rambles from one, from one side of, of, of the world to the other side of the world. And as indeed you have. Hey. You've rambled from India to our shores. So. And hopefully we'll go into that. In a little bit of detail, but I wonder, Mike, whether we always have one or two sticky questions, one or two tough questions. And I wonder whether yes. we should start off. Mike, do you think we should you want ask... me to, you want me to ask Periwinkle the question? It, it Pre- often breaks the ice. Question. And, My... and we won't be asking you any more trickier question than this during the during the evening, but I think it, it might help. And it's something the listeners Needs to know, really, isn't it? I suppose, I suppose it is, and and as we've already ascertained, that I'm not overly shy at asking these difficult questions. Harry Winkle, what we'd really like to know, if you would be kind enough to share with us, is what is your favourite bread? What a question! I'm, I'm, I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's but... a tough question. We we put you on the spot, and I apologise. <laughs> it's M&S cool wheat bread. Or superseded bread. I know it's quite squidgy, isn't it? I love that. Especially mm. my favorite is almond butter toast. Oh, <sighs> I like yeah, I like almond butter. It's good. Yes. We, should, we, should we, should, on we should say, of course, that other supermarket breads are available. <laughs> they are. They're not quite as nice. No, no. it's and it's we're a really squidgy bread, and they've really put a lot of seed into it. And the reason it's so squishy is they don't knock it back. So it's baked after the first rise. And so that, that's why you get these often little uneven sized air holes in it. How do you know that? that? that yeah, exactly. I was about to ask you, like, how do you know this? You either know or you don't, I'm afraid. It's, it's one of those things. If you make bread, then you know. You either knock back or you don't knock back. You know what knocking back <laughs> is? No. No. So you mix the bread together with the yeast and all the other gubbins. And then you leave it for an hour to rise. <laughs> and then you knead it again. You roll it in, you squish out all the air bubbles, and then you let it rise again. And the reason you do that is the first rise produces an uneven array, if you like, of, of carbon dioxide bubbles within the, the bread. Right. Now, focaccia is, is one, of the, one of the main breads that's not knocked back. That's why you get these huge holes, isn't it, in the focaccia. Of course, it has olive oil in it as well, so it's, it's quite <laughs> different. But a lot of the more modern, really soft breads have a simple single rise. Uh, it's also got a bit of felt flour in it as well, which helps it rise, keeps it lighter. 
Or we've got that out of the way. That's rather dull stuff. You have done research, good research, baking bread. I like baking. I got into it. I think I told you I got into it during lockdown. And we, we've Thank now you. got through almost 160 kilos of flour. That's pasta as well. So you just lots of bread. And chapatis. Now chapatis, they take a lot of flour. And I know what you're going to say. I'm being wrong, aren't I? Because I make chapatis with white flour. And I should really make them with... Now, is it wheat flour? It is. Normally wheat, isn't it, for chapatis? You know what I don't know. <laughs> you do know that. Although, I have made chapatis with ground flour. Really? Yeah, I've got a friend who's gluten-free. <laughs> and it works very well with ground flour. Wow. I know almond flour because that's I do have it on a regular basis when I go back to India, not here. Yeah, it's difficult to get here. I don't know, to be honest. I don't know because, yeah, I'm, I'm a bread person or a wheat of eggs person. And a that's all like carbs done or a rice yeah. person. Mm. <laughs> you do realise that if we were putting this out live, we would all currently be missing the semi-final of MasterChef, don't you? <laughs> well, I, I would be failing it. <laughs> they wouldn't let me join. I like cooking, <laughs> but I don't like neatness. Oh. Right, okay. So I cook ugly layers of bread. Fair Not enough. Now, no, I've, I've, had a, I've, I've been having a look at Periwinkle's CV recently, and yeah. I don't see cooking mentioned anywhere. Periwinkle's, oh, hang on. Bearing maximum fruits... But I think that's a quote from your from your mother, is it not? That's yeah. it. It has no relationship with cooking. No. No, no I hate, I hate cooking. You hate cooking? I hate cooking. And my weird combinations are, they're quite popular among my friends. But, but you like eating. Sorry? But you like eating. We've both discussed food many times. Yes, I love eating, but if somebody has cooked it already <laughs> or going out and having a fine dinner, that, that sort of, yeah, that sort of fine dine, but not actually cooking and having a meal myself. No. Fair enough. So you don't like cooking. What do you enjoy? What, cooking or eating? No, no not cooking or eating. I'm going uh, to push you towards whether you enjoy something like messing about with electrics. Yes, I do. I just love trying new things. And yeah, I like technology, just trying technology. And recent example, ChatGPT. Recently, I asked ChatGPT, please be my secretary for, for one minute and sort out my blah, blah, blah. And then second time, I asked it to be a professional content writer for my social media post. Wow. Who? Yeah. <laughs> ChatGPT. ChatGPT. This is the AI. And I, yeah, and I'm, I'm not promoting it. There, there's a, I, I'm on the board of governors of, of my local school, and, and one of my new governors was supposed to come up with, uh, with a protocol for uh, pupil monitoring. Hmm. And uh, I said, Look, I'm sorry, I've given you this rather burdensome task. It's going to take quite a while. And she said, I've almost finished it. I said, what? And he asked you five minutes ago. Yes, she said, I put it into chat GPT. It's come up with something now. I'll read it through and give you an, another version. And after lunch, she produced this perfect 15-point chart for monetary wow. business that we haven't needed to change. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. 
recently I had to write a tough email. I can't tell what it was, but then I, so it would have took me about 20 minutes and really? ChatGPT did it in three minutes, no, two minutes. Do you, I've not used this, although I've had it used on me because somebody said, I said, I can't write this week. I'll have to, I'll have to put my mind to it. And I was told, don't worry, because you've written on this topic before. So leave it to me. I'll send you over your draft. And it was sent over. And it was like, are you sure I didn't say that? No, you didn't. Chat GBT. It's frightening. I find it frightening. You probably just find it exciting, do you, Primical? It's a balance. I would say there has to be a limit, right? So if you're using it for a useful purpose, it is really beneficial. But obviously, there are pros and cons for each and everything, and excess of everything is bad. So you just have to find the right balance. It is frightening. AI in itself is. But again, it is a problem solver as well. So this nasty email that you had to write. So Which, no, I see, nasty email. Yeah, so do you get the opportunity to tell chat GBT, whatever this thing is, you, do you say, write it in the style of... No, so I say, assume that you are Claire Wrinkle, managing director of ESU Medicus, and then write an email, blah, 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 these points, and all you have to do is edit, cut, copy, paste. It's incredible. Now, you can, in America, you can put into ChatGPT the symptoms that your dog may be showing, and it'll come up with a diagnosis. Yeah. And recommend yeah. treatment. The UK it won't allow that, but you, ah. can in, you can sign in with an international IP address, the VPN. That's it, and and it'll allow it. There are UK restrictions in place, and it will not let you diagnose un unless you can change your VPN, which obviously you can very simply. Yeah. E even I could, and I, well, because that's when it comes to uh, computing. So that's the thing that worries me, that, that you know, almost overnight, people mm -hmm. will attain the ability to diagnose problems with themselves, with their family, and with their pets. But in the it, wrong way as well. Mm. It's just like having a Google doctor, which, and a simple headache turns out to be some sort of oncological problem. Yeah, brain tumour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this. Google GPT, sorry, chat GPT, does it, I believe, a lot more accurately. And because it's learning, it will refine that and get more and more accurate as it goes on. And you say, as long as it's used wisely, it's not a problem. But Absolutely. Look, who's going to use it wisely? We're, we're people. We're we, we can't use things wisely. We haven't used the earth wisely. We're cooking it. <laughs> Ask GPT about some recipe, and it will give you one of the finest recipes maybe present on google or elsewhere really? add six million tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere <laughs> yeah. initiate, right. initiate extreme solar flares the, the earth will cook experiment done some years back on, on ai and um, uh, an ai program was asked to solve the problem of yeah. of climate change and planet eating and it came up with with a perfect scenario to cure it, 
And if you'd followed those steps through, basically would have led to the destruction of the human race because the AI program saw that was what was causing climate change. So simple, get rid of the humans and perfect, problem solved. Are you sure that you sure it hadn't we, watched The Matrix? I was going to say, we all see The Matrix. That's We've incredible. all seen Terminator. We know how the world's going to turn out. <laughs> Definitely. Obviously, AI has its own limitations to a large extent. We're not even going there. And so do robots. Mm, I don't know. I think you obviously have more faith in it than we do, which is why I get you to repair things for me and not Mike. <laughs> and, and I certainly didn't do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be interested in using AI more and more and increasing the use of it? I would say yes and a no. Yes, when it comes to professional extent and that to weather limits. And no, because what humans can do, AI can't. If I have to write a letter, a love letter to anybody, any of my loved ones, AI can't do that because the feelings that come from inside, you just can't ask ChatGPT to do that or AI to do that. But mm -hmm. professionally, yes, if I'm looking for, let's say, some formula for some solution, and it's it's quite handy, ChatGPT is, um, or AI in general. It helps with yeah. coding. So I think it's it depends upon who is using it for, and perhaps it varies from profession to profession. Mm. That would be my it, thought. It uses algorithms to sort through an incredibly and always infinite amount of data doesn't it? And, and uh, it does. we're always told the machines are really limited by what we teach them. This teaches itself and, and ultimately then can be a huge help. So we, we use an AI system in the practice for um, interpreting radiographs. Right. And it's very good at that. But at the moment, it's not going to take the place of a, an ind individual's pair of eyes Definitely. as well. Mm. And you, you must have seen the, the little AI puzzle. If you type in chihuahuas or muffins, have you, have you tried doing that? Have you done it, Mike? What's that? I, I don't even know what. GBTT <laughs> was as a thing, just that I, I realised I've had it used against me <laughs> well, on my behalf. Okay, so here's the thing. If some... Um, if you had to get a, an AI program to, to differentiate between chihuahuas and muffins, right. being an easy job, wouldn't it? You would imagine so. Yeah. Here we go. Chihuahuas or muffins. I'm holding up on the screen to, to those people who are listening. Go, go onto your phones and type in chihuahuas or muffins. And speechless. Quite, a, quite amazing. It, it's come up with uh, with 16 <laughs> little images, some of which are chihuahuas, some of which are, are blueberry muffins, and it's very difficult to tell the difference between them, and computers can't do it. So, guys, we are the last defense against chihuahuas or muffins, separation of <laughs> computers nowhere near there yet. I, I rest think Mike, my Mike, Mike is as speechless as I am. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Periwinkle. I, it's... <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah. See, well, what we've done there is to that's... drive Secretary Ramblings down to the lowest point it can get to. So everywhere else this evening is going to... That's that's ex- that is indeed the lowest point. <laughs> As we explained earlier, we, we, we call it Veterinary Ramblings because we tend to ramble. <laughs> yeah, we've just spent 15 minutes talking about AI. I want to learn more about Periwinkle. Let's learn I more about Periwinkle. I understand that this your, your current career is not your first career. And that there's a certain amount of reinvention has gone on, not only in your lifestyle and your life, but also within your career. And I'd like to delve into that, if I may, please. What do you do now, Periwinkle? So now I have my own healthcare startup and mm-hmm. by the name of ESU Medical Solutions. And it is, it's mainly into product assembly and specialized products used in with electrosurgical units. These are the adapters and connectors. And we're into, basically, I'm also into product research and development. Mm-hmm. And everything that is required in a operation theater or a surgical room. So I deal with uh, those things, starting from specialized innovative connectors, which are meant for specific electrosurgical units. And we provide all-in-one solution in terms of servicing repairs, and especially to those practices, regardless of make and model of the units, which have no support from elsewhere. So that is what I exactly do, create solutions and for equipment on the surgical side. On the surgical side, okay. Why surgery and not anaesthesia? Because surgery was something more technical. Okay. And anaesthesia, it also has an emotional touch, as in if something goes wrong with the equipment, we can handle it. But anaesthesia and units like anaesthesia ventilators are like life-saving equipment. Anything going wrong with them, it affects the patient directly. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be under a burden whereby anything wrong going with any of these can actually take somebody's life. So that's more precise and involves more technical qualification than on the equipment side, because on the equipment side, you have mainly electronics. Well, that's a very honest answer. And it's got me, it's got me quite scared now because <laughs> <'cause laughs> I've been playing in anesthesia for 30 years. <laughs> And that's the real reason Perry Winkle doesn't want to do it, because she doesn't want to muscle in on your work, Mike. Oh, fair enough. (laughs) I don't think that's a a reason at all. So this interest in surgery then, where does that interest in surgery come from? Love medical subjects more than any other. Mm -hmm. And then I proceeded with dental surgery. So basically, dental surgeon by profession, ex-dentist, what I call. But when when I was um, studying dentistry, during third year, I non sorry non dentistry subjects were more dear to me than dentistry subjects, and that included pharmacology, medicine, physiology, mm-hmm. and I got a distinction in pharmacology. That was one of my favorites. And then I was like, but when I was doing internship and actually working on patients, I was like, no, this is not something I would enjoy each and every day. I want something challenging. I get bored easily, so it's I, I do need something to do more challenging, brainstorming, things like that. And so I went for, after completing dentistry with internship, I went for an MBA here, and that was a turning point. I wanted to be a hospital manager. 
Okay. But really? life had, yeah, I wanted to be a hospital manager because leadership was one thing I was good at, even during school days since childhood. Uh, but then life had different plans. God had different plans. I'm a God's loving person. And life took a turn when my dad was like somebody, a surgeon came to him and said, we, we can't use these old units, old belly lab units. And we want something like something that can actually help us with the new instruments, new handheld devices. And my dad discussed this with me. I was doing an MBA. And he started with the research and just out of interest, curiosity, I started studying about them, like what they are, what are electrosurgical. Obviously, I had knowledge because of my medical mm -hmm. background. And that led me develop this product with my dad and plus my other team members. And then it was a super hit. It was like hot cross buns. And it made <laughs> me enter into the medical profession. And slowly and steadily, I just took a U-turn. I met right people at the right time, and that changed everything. So wow, that's, that's a great that's, story, isn't it? That's a super story, but that's human medicine and human electrical surgery. Am I it right? Is. Yeah. It is, but most of the things used on human side are used on the mm -hmm. veterinary side as well, right. surgical units, as in you are sealing a tissue. Tissue means like in, in any living organism, which is could be an animal, could be human. So the basics are, remain the same. Mm -hmm. Obviously, human, as a medical profession, has support from worldwide brands, from different sources, places. Yep. But veterinary sector doesn't. Okay. And it is, it is restrained by budget, by financial budget. So that's where we come in. Human yes. surgeons can afford because of their financial backing by hospitals, government, etc. Whereas veterinary, it is a niche area, I would say. And yeah, they struggle in terms of cost-effective solutions. Mm -hmm. and, but it is a big industry. People fail to understand. And customer is a customer. Human life yeah. is a human life. Animal life is animal life. It's so true. that's real. And, and quite often, I think the problem with, with the veterinary market is we're forced through, through lack of, of competitors to buy human medical equipment. And the human medical equipment is all, always vastly inflated in price because that's the way the human medical market works. Mm. The NHS doesn't buy reasonably or cheaply. Yeah, that's true because I work with both uh, these markets as in veterinary and medical. So my clientele includes end users as well as companies which deal in both veterinary and private hospitals. They are my clients. But again, the... Fundamental remains the same. The technology is the same. Everything is the same. But yes, on the human side, they upgrade equipment more frequently huh. than they do on the veterinary side. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And very often that when they get rid mm -hmm. of that old equipment, that goes to the auction and it's bought by vets or companies mm -hmm. who then put it into the veterinary field. As, yes. Uh, as and quite often these units are limited to the number of cycles of the procedures they can go through, aren't they? Yeah, some of them. Yeah, absolutely. And these these equipment or these generators, they're even purchased by private hospitals, not oh, just yes. in developed countries, but also in third world countries, which you can imagine. Interesting. Interesting. What got you into dentistry in the first place? <sighs> I couldn't clear my medical exam and I had two options. 
as in human medical. So I had two options. I could go for another one or I could go for dentistry. And then I had this choice to make. And then I thought I can go for another, like a, a retest, which is because it's on a national level. And a, so I thought, no, that's not something I, perhaps I would enjoy. But dentistry maybe begins, it's like, it's about the oral cavity rather than a specialized area to focus on. Mm -hmm. So let's give it a try. It was just like, let's give it a try. Let's give it a try. <laughs> yeah, it, that was honestly, that was my uh, thought at that time. Do you ever tell your patients that as a dentist? I'm just going to give this a try. <laughs> Internally in my head. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> did, did you practice as a dentist? I did mm -hmm. for one year in a charitable hospital, yes. And did you enjoy that? No, <laughs> the, the I didn't want to say that, no, but I was like... <laughs> you could say no, you can say no. <laughs> I can't lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't just do dentistry. I enjoy the dog, cat and rabbit dentistry that I do. Even the guinea pig dentistry that I do. But if it's any more than 10% of my working week, then I start to get a little bit angsty with it. <laughs> <laughs> But though it's, yeah, I'm thankful to God because, and I'm not afraid of failures, but it's just that whatever destiny has in store for you, I just trust that. If I didn't, if I had cleared that exam in the first go in those three months, because I just had three months to prepare for it, probably I wouldn't be in business mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be doing all this research, which is beyond medical market, as in beyond surgeries and everything. I am dealing in, on the surgical side, but in a different way. And that's what I enjoy. Good. And we should all do things we enjoy, shouldn't we? Sorry? We should all do things we enjoy, shouldn't we? Absolutely. Something that motivates you to get off the bed daily. Good. Good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit controversial for this show. More controversial than the bread question. Because we don't normally, we don't normally talk about religion and faith. But I, I know for you, it's, it's a very important part of what you do and why you do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wondered if we could tease a little bit about, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, I'm sure, with the Guru Nanak. Is, is, that, is that right? That's it. Yeah, that's it. So the first can, we, can we investigate that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So for me, God is one, right? So God is an eternal power, which has no face. It's just. He is omnipresent. Mm -hmm. And all a all gods, what whom we call gods, who landed on earth, they are they were basically messengers of God to me, mm -hmm. in my opinion, mm -hmm. and no offense to any religion. So right. my panda is simple. God is one and human race is one. And that's what Guru Nanak taught. Uh, people, they just some politicians or bureaucracy of government. It's like dividing people on the basis of religion. But this is, that's not it. Religion is made to put you on the right track. Spirituality means something that, that attaches you to your self-consciousness and to do the right thing and to have a balanced life approach. Uh -huh. So that's all. And religion, it's like there are different categories. There are mm. different streamlines, which take you back to the same origin, which is the God. Sure. So and to guess, me, it is that. 
I was going to say, I, I guess any religion is a set of rules you'd follow. And yeah, absolutely. It's different for each religion, but, but each religion has that at this basic core, a set of rules. Now, most people get on with most other people because they feel the same way, n- not about, about God and, and the society they live in, but about doing the right thing, not hurting people, helping people. And so their core faiths, core realisms and core ideologies that we have. And so I, I guess what you're saying is no religion is better than any other religion. No, not at all. But, but following some sort of guide to, to life that essentially teaches you to do the right thing and to Absolutely. respect others. Absolutely. It's, it's the best way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's Quran, whether it's Holy Gita, whether it's Guru Granth Sahib or Bible, they all have similar teachings and mm-hmm. they all get you to be humble, show gratitude and do hard work, right? And help others mm-hmm. rise, but rise with others and don't do injustice. That's it. And yeah, I've, I studied in a convent school, a Christian school, mm-hmm. and I had friends from various communities, starting from my childhood school days to college and university days and in the profession. So I think nobody should judge anybody by his or her caste, creed, race, profession, or religion. Mm-hmm. We all are humans. And end of the day, religion is just a way of attaching people to God. I think you're absolutely right that this whether you whether you believe in in God at all or several gods or, or yeah, it's what, just what, different it's, different names. It, absolutely, it. it's, it's it's that set of uh, of similarities that that, that, that should bind us. Uh, and you mentioned uh, humility and humbleness, and I know hmm. I'm just going to read out this quote. You say, I hold dear a powerful quote imparted to me by my mother during the pinnacle of my career. And Mike mentioned this earlier about fruit. A tree that bears maximum fruits is inclined towards the ground. And this sentiment serves as a constant reminder to remain grounded and humble, regardless of the heights achieved on the ladder of success. And I'm gonna I'm gonna blow you a trumpet here because you are, I think, a very humble person. But for someone who won the Woman Innovator of the Year Award at the Future Woman Leader Award in 2021. And as a certificate of recognition from the India 5000 Women Achiever Awards 2021, I think you are very humble. And uh, I'd like to applaud you for actually Absolutely. doing so much, so well. Thank you. Thank you. But I do have better examples here in the form of YouTube. And everyone knows about you, Julian. And I, I just can't compete when it comes to you. So that's uh, it. It shows that's a live example. No, very the, the only good things you've heard about me would have been from me. No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, <laughs> so is family very important to you then? Very well, cool. Indeed. Family is everything. My family, my friends, and my loved ones. That's what my world is. So I'd imagine if you'd set out on this one path, I see you almost like climbing a ladder in your earlier career and it's propped up against the dentistry wall and you started climbing up that and you've decided, actually, no, I'm not going to go there. Absolutely. I'm going to choose a different ladder. Yes. 
So what impact did that have on your family or were they, did they reach out to you as you reach out to them and support you in your decisions and your lifestyles? One thing about my family is they have always supported me right. in all my decisions unless I, I start taking any wrong decisions. That's where they turn out to be my guides. And I guess it's the same story everywhere. Mm-hmm. But when I wanted to change my profession, take a turn, then my family was like, do you want to give it a thought? It's a, mm-hmm. like you can do dentistry and it is a good all set career for you. Mm-hmm. But then they, I was like, no, that's not what I enjoy. I want to do MBA and that too from the UK because UK to me is my sole country. Oh. And my family, my mother especially, they all supported me. And they were like, okay, do whatever you want. Yeah. We are with you. Although the outside world, what I call in general society relatives, they were like, do you want to do this? I said, thank you. I know. Please. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So That's um, great. I do have uh, some sort of uh, rebellious nature when it comes to deciding. If my family is supportive and if they think that I'm doing the right thing and if it's not causing any harm to anybody, so give it a go, that I'm doing the right thing then. Fantastic. And your father's still in India and he's working in in design as well. Yes. Yeah, he is my guru. Because it's like, it's his brain that works at a different dimension on a different level. Yeah, he runs, he mainly does, I mean, 95% business. His business is with medical human healthcare. Mm -hmm. That is what he is into. And I deal with veterinary plus medical. But Mm -hmm. yes, uh, ideas originate from him. And then we have a discussion like what is feasible, what's not. And then I tell him, look at surgeons are facing this problem this is what i i had a chat and this is what they are doing and that's where they are struggling and then let's come up with a solution and then we just make a solution create a solution very good so are you involved in one health is that something that that, that you as a business and your father as a business are trying to do to integrate the the fact that as you said earlier tissue is tissue it's biological whether it's human whether it's dog cat yeah, because uh, it's like the basic framework is the same. My company is slightly different because it's a, as in, in terms of functionality and operations, there are two separate companies. So my dad's company is different. Mine is different. I started this all by myself. But the only difference is we provide all-in-one solution to the industries. And we have four categories of clients, the suppliers, the wholesalers, the dealers, as in those who deal in medical equipment and the end users, which are the surgeons. Whereas my dad, he deals mainly with end users. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So are there any, so you're dealing with predominantly the veterinary field in the UK? In the UK, yes. Okay. Worldwide, predominantly in, on the human side. In the UK and Europe, because I do see a gap. Right. And I know what challenges are faced by surgeons. Yes, that's yeah. my that is my aim to revolutionize this sector. Okay. And you also deal with veterinary and human in India. I don't deal with, with Indian companies because my dad does that. So right. Asia side is not my side. Okay. Okay. Are there any significant differences 
doing the vet world in the UK and the vet world in India? Yes, there are. In the UK versus elsewhere in the world, I would say, not just okay. in India. Okay. UK market is more quality focused. So <laughs> that is it. That's the major difference. Okay. Right. In, in, in terms, terms of, of quality of outcome or quality of products used? Quality of products used. Right. Quality of equipment and quality of service. Interesting. Hmm. That's probably because English veterinary surgeons, and I speak as one, are, uh, are very arrogant and we, we like to have the best of instruments. <laughs> arrogant is not the word. I haven't seen anybody arrogant. Exceptions are always there. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say I can point you to a few. No, <laughs> maybe not. Interesting. Mm. So then, wouldn't it be the same option for for expanding the veterinary business in in India? You think they are because now people have changed their mindset to a great extent. As I said, it's just not about India, about Asia mm. and other countries. So they're leaving aside the United States because it's for relative reasons. Um, because people have started, especially during the pandemic, they have more attachment with their pets. Mm-hmm. So yes. in order to combat loneliness, cats and dogs were a mean for a means for, for company as, as in for some kind of emotional attachment as well. So that brand has changed worldwide, even in those countries where you wouldn't see animals as somebody to be created as really dear that's yeah. what i would say yeah, yeah. so i won't name those specific countries but i think we all know of those countries yeah now now yeah. it's like animal lives matter sure sure as they should although we, we read tonight sort of a very up-to-date news we read tonight that perhaps in this country animals lives don't matter as much as we thought we hear tonight the uh, ministers have uh, scrapped the animal welfare bill, which was going to ban live exports and introduce powers to tackle puppy smuggling. So that's been dropped by the governments because they're worried that it would... Excuse me for a second. Please excuse me for a second. Yes. Um, <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Everything the BSAVA has been working for, the British Veterinary Association has been working for, the yes and working for... And the government have been promising us for the last five years. No, we don't want to do it after all. But now we're not part of Europe. We don't have to. And we can do what we want. Yes. Mm. We'll save money. We won't do it. No. Oh, save money and save voters, I think the term is. So there we go. We, we, we love animals in this country a little bit less tonight, Perry Winkle. I don't think it's going to affect no. this too much not at all i have seen i have been in those countries where animals are not treated in a right way they're not but then again as i said the grand hair stage and that's what i mean that now those animal lives matter in those countries as well at least during these last three years that has happened probably due to Mm. some campaigns and awareness as well yeah and and the countries yeah, I'm going to mention Greece. I, I have some great Greece friends, and, and uh, I love Greece. But the the average person in the in the villages in in Greece, I would say, doesn't have as high a level of understanding of animal welfare hmm. as they do in the UK. And that's no offence 
to to to, to Greeks and, and Greece as a whole. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just an observational fact. We, we we see animals tethered. We see carols tethered occasionally without access to water. We we see um, dogs left outside in the sun all day. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, and I think there, it's just this lack of connection there, this lack of a light bulb moment thinking, whoa, actually they have feelings. Yeah. So, yeah. Shame. <laughs> we go, so we've done religion, we've done politics. Absolutely. We've done anything, haven't we, I think? Where are we going with this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we've covered cooking very quickly because Perry Winkle oh. doesn't like it. <laughs> Yeah. We can discuss it. We can discuss it. No, let's not, let's not, let's not discuss it. I want, to learn, I, have, I want to learn more from cooking Perry Winkle. We see each other. And that's yeah. I yeah, want, we to want to learn, learn more. more from... about what do you do? You don't cook. You read. I can see some books by your, by your side. Oh, no, that's just a show off. I, I read show? people. <laughs> I read people. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I like socializing mm. with like-minded people because I, I believe every person is like a book. I enjoy doing that. And I love playing squash. Do you? Okay. You play squash? I'm a squash champion. Oh, oh gosh, I'll, say, I'll give you a game, but having you heard you're a squash champion, maybe I won't. <laughs> do, do you love squash? Do you love playing I squash? I love it, yeah. yeah. Wow. He's got an injured knee. I can't play it at the moment because of my injured knee. Love it at the moment. Playing next when week. I get back to it. That's what I mean. That no, no, sounds like a plan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'll be able to stand on the tee. And dominate the game. That's the only I squash admit. reference that I know. No, I want to no, learn no. more. I want to learn more from Periwinkle. Periwinkle, in your research on us, did you come across a section of the show called 60 Second CPD? I did. Ah. I did. Now, if everyone looks down and looks a little bit shifty when they, <laughs> when they say that, do they? <laughs> yeah. That's really a tough 60 seconds CPD topic. Yeah, yeah. So, do you do you wish to partake, to participate in the challenge? I think I don't have any other options. <laughs> I'm afraid you don't. No, we all kicked you off. You see, no, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Everybody that comes on the show has to do a 60 second CPD. We've done them. I think you're there. We have. We've done them. It was a long time ago. Done a couple, haven't we? Yeah, but it was a long time ago. One on cheese and one on mushrooms. I think that's what you did. You maybe I couldn't do... find those videos whereby you did a 60-second CPD. Ah. We've hidden them. We've we hidden have to them, trawl yeah. all the way through to find them. Hmm. I think we each did one when we ran out of guests temporarily, so we interviewed each other. Yes. So we each did yep. one on that. Now, that is a creative approach. <laughs> <laughs> and we realised we really didn't know each other or ourselves at all. It was quite oh. interesting. <laughs> That that came, that came from a, I think that came from a request which was more along the lines of we love finding out and meeting all of your guests but who are you? Yes. <laughs> who the hell are you? So we <laughs> so we we put together a couple of shows on uh, on each other. Um, God, what an ego trip! <laughs> oh God, it wasn't because we found out that we were both nothings and didn't have an ego, so that was funny. <laughs> Brilliant! I love it, Periwinkle. You're up for the 60-second challenge, yeah? I am. Okay. In that case, then, what would your chosen topic be? I would say I learned one term when I was doing my MBA, and that was unlearning. I quite liked it. 
Still films. Unlearning. Yeah. One of the, the two films which I can never forget. Unlearning. Hmm. Okay. That was intriguing. So, so apart from some narcotic-induced memory lapse, are, are you going to explain to us what unlearning is in your 60-second CPD? Yeah, of course. Okay. Okay, let's set this up then. Let's make this happen. I've got my, I've got my timer here. There we go. This is your countdown timer. Let's see. Periwinkle Core, your 60-second CPD challenge is unlearning starting now. So unlearning in simple language. So it doesn't mean forgetting or removing old information or experiences or ways of thinking. It doesn't. Instead, it, it's all about building new patterns of um synaptic communication that can support different ways of thinking it's just thinking in a different way um, which includes embracing change uh, fostering empathy nurturing um, emotional resilience and trusting the timing of the universe which is most important and of course staying humble so it's about when a growth mindset is blended with i'll use another term here emotional intelligence it we all have the IQ part, but EQ, EI part as an EQ part, emotional quotient, it opens a new perspective and channel to the outside as well as to the inside world. So I would say for anybody, uh, for inner peace and for better professional and personal relationships and handling tough situations better, one must have unlearning and learning attitude with a balance of self-consciousness. Wow. I, I want to know more. Yeah, me too. I, I, that, thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. But, but it's wet my appetite for more. So the, would I... I did quite a bit of work with, with well, British Cycling back in the day. And one of the elements of the whole training program for professional cyclists was the psychologist's couch. Hmm. And essentially... Uh, without giving away the secrets that I've been sworn to keep forever at pain of death or whatever it is, some non-disclosure thing, some of the tools that were used there were what I would describe as reframing. So if a certain set of circumstances built up a particularly negative emotional response, um, then that athlete was coached through reframing those signals and those triggers that would result in the negative outcome and they reframed them towards a more positive outcome. Is that the sort of thing that you're talking about with your own learning? Yes, absolutely. That is it. Right. It's like we are customized to think in a set way, mm. doing things in a set way. Right. Be it professionally, as in the leadership style, or in personal life, or elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yes, exactly when you say reframe it, uh, rework on it, that is what unlearning and learning again is about. It's like just trying different ways of doing it. Is that a bit like a form of, um, of CBT, of cognitive behavioral therapy? Yes. When it comes to how a particular style of thinking or a particular style life's approach is thought about and then cbt is applied to it in 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 a similar way 
unlearning, the process of unlearning is done, but it's, it has a more practical approach. As in you do it, you think of it and you do it, rather than somebody teaching you how to do it. Are there any, because I, I've, as, as I've just alluded to, I've played with this. I think I, I've, I know it more as neuro-linguistic programming, where you reframe certain things in your mind using different words. I was never very good at it, and I always needed somebody to coach me through through those things. Have you got any tips for people who might like to avoid feeling a certain way about a certain situation? Are there any tips to take that step back, analyse what's going on, and then move forwards with that new reframe in the mind? Yes. So that happens with me as well every now and then. Mm-hmm. So when we start to think out of the box, we get a whole new world of ideas. Right. And I believe the best thing is when we discuss with people who we know are like-minded and when we broaden our approach to whatever we are doing. Mm-hmm. So let's say, to quote an example, if it's like, oh, I have to... Let me think of a good example, though. <laughs> So let's say, if I have to change an organizational culture, mm-hmm. what would be your approach in doing that? What would you do? I mean, just as a first thought. I, I would a guru in to talk Sorry? to the team. I'd probably get a guru in to talk to the team. <laughs> first thought, I'd line them all up against a wall and say, we're going to do it this way, and if you don't, then I'll pull the trigger. <laughs> that definitely requires a lot of unlearning. Okay. <laughs> so there's a change mindset that, that you're talking about that comes into that. And managing transitions within a team Absolutely. is the important thing. The Now, I went to a bit of training on that where it was suggested that the idea is not to linger on the change, but linger on the end point. And to then say that actually the end point isn't dissimilar to what we got now. So when we talk about change doesn't mean everything changes. No. Let, let's focus on what's going to stay the same and how we're going to improve some things and lose some things. Then all that matters is we hop over from one to the other. Yeah, so basically I would say change is the only constant, right? <laughs> yeah. When, for example... As I said, if you want to change an organizational culture or style, the first thing you would do is understand people, understand mm-hmm. their mindset, and then find out different ways of doing it. And when it comes to actually taking an action, it's like trying out different ways with, with something apart from the traditional approach, apart from how the things are done. Like if it's done on a paper and a pen, you can try it out in a digital way mm-hmm. and vice versa, I would say. So it's all about we are made to think that this is the right thing and this is how it should be done. Whereas in some circumstances, um, um, in some ways, there is no right and wrong thing. It's just how we think and how we do it. Mm-hmm. It's also similar to saying that, oh, I can't find a solution to this. Mm-hmm. We can't get that deal. But actually, you can, if you just change your perspective, if you change your approach. But I suppose 
we sometimes think of as conciliation or mediation or coming to a compromise. Yeah, that's where emotional intelligence comes in. It's people, we're just talking at, because I'm based in small to medium industry, but when we talk about big industries, MNCs like Google, Amazon, they have to face with a lot of issues on a human side, human resources. Mm -hmm. And emotional question is something which is incredibly important. And that mm -hmm. is uh, how to understand the other person. Yeah. We say that person, the lady or that man is a tough guy, but actually how do you deal with them? Mm. And how, whether you understand them or not, I do have one colleague who's my good friend in office and it often happens. I, my thoughts are limited. I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm irritated. I'm annoyed. And then she has a new way of dealing with that issue. And that makes me unlearn my traditional approach. And she comes up with emotional intelligence. Even I have, I'm basically a sensitive and emotional person. But then I do have her who is, has a balanced approach. Right. Things like that. Th that is more work-related because I spend most of the time in work, at work, in my office. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that, that's when it comes to the practical side, understanding other people and their mindset, and then changing your way, building new patterns is what it is all about. Interesting. And you mentioned... I'm probably going to get it wrong, but something about creating new synaptic connections. Um, and, and so um, that got me thinking of something called hippocampal learning, which we tend to use for, for directional memory. So if you're driving somewhere and for the first time and you take a right turn and you travel a little way, you think, I should have gone left back there. So you turn around and you go left. The next time you go there, there's quite a high probability that you'll turn right again, uh -huh. make the same mistake, because you've already developed that synaptic connection within the hippocampus. But but that's the way to turn, even though you then immediately remember again with this left, and it could be quite difficult to to unlearn that. So the recommendation to unlearn that is to go a completely different way for the first part of your journey should you get to that and you approach the junction from a different angle. Then go that on. That is it. And, yes. And then you'll probably find that in the future, if you go the first way, you'll automatically turn left, not right. I am with you, 100%. Yeah. That is it. That is the one of the best ways of explaining this. Interesting. I suppose another way would be to use electrosurgery. Yes, yes, absolutely. I must go that way. That way. Yeah, electrosurgery instead of diatomy. I've just finished doing a play with a local uh, drama society, and always when I'm learning lines, I get to a, a point where I think there's maybe half a dozen lines or cues that I'm just not getting. And the way that, the, as a drama society, the way we tend to get past those points is we do a different way of reciting them. So rather than sitting around in a circle reciting the lines or rather being on the stage doing the lines, we'll all pop out to the garden and throw a ball to each other and do the lines as we're throwing the ball. And again, it's just using the mind in a very slightly different way to get the information out or put the information in. 
I like that. I don't know if I that's like the same that. thing. Yeah. I like that. It's it like, to work. yeah, teaching your brain the new science of action. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the, the, yeah. This is being used. One of my friends has had a severe, has had a traumatic brain injury, and part of his therapy in working through the accident that he's forgotten about because he was unconscious, it's led to a lot of emotion and a lot of emotional outbursts. Surprise, surprise! He's got a traumatic brain injury, but one of his therapists is saying, "Can you describe the situation?" And then she goes. Watch my fingers. And she moves her fingers left and right. And he was describing to me yesterday how within a minute she'll say, so tell me about that again. And he's got a whole different set of thoughts in his mind, maybe not even connected to the accident. And he's a real analyst. He's a surgeon as well, but he's a real analyst. And he said she did this finger-moving back forth and she said now what are you thinking about and he said i'm thinking about why you only did it 57 times <laughs> hmm. but it's making a difference and he's presumably this process of physical or eye movement interaction hmm. is remapping or helping to remap that information in his brain what got you into all of this Remapping and learning. I'm learning. I could. It's again the leadership style that was a major changing point when unlearning attitude began. So it was like being a director. So mm -hmm. I was a. I was working for my dad's company prior to being a director of my own company, and yep. then I was promoted to a managing partner, this designation. And then finally a director. But in these set of leadership styles and working under somebody, working for somebody, working with somebody, mm -hmm. and then working for your own company, that was a transition phase. So they real so in my opinion, your work family, your colleagues are the major, are your major assets and the major mm -hmm. assets of your company. So outside world, it's your family, your friends. And as my, my family was utmost important to me, especially my mother, my, my grandmother, is of whom I am what I am today, her blessings and all. But when it comes to professional life, that is where these terms make all the more difference because that's where you have to manage everything. And that is a sensitive point. Mm -hmm. So that that what made me unlearn, as in the traditional conceptual way of handling people, communications, set um, the way of how things are done on a daily basis, and how the interaction that the one step interaction to one step leads to another, which further makes a chain reaction. That made me unlearn a lot of things, unlearning of even my own thoughts. So there are endless examples, and I think I do that every day. So people say, oh, you can't do this. But who said that? Who taught you that? Why? Mm -hmm. Is it beneficial for somebody? Yes. Is it harming somebody else? No. Is this making uh, your work more efficient in terms of time and productivity? Yes. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. we, we do, as people, the tendency is to get into habits, some of them are good, some of them are bad. 
because we all have a generally a sort of facile switch, don't you? Something that says, this is easier, let's do this. Mm. Anything for the quiet life. And so your unlearning process is a little bit against that, but it does provide you with a more reasoned view, doesn't it? Stopping and thinking each time, actually, is there another way of doing this? Is their point of view valid? Mm. Is there reason in their statement? No, I can go on and ignore it then, that's fine. Or well, there might be, let's investigate that. I guess that's what it comes down to, isn't it? You're then able, you're, you're more open-minded to, to look into those different options and more likely then to come up with, with an answer. Yes, of course it is. For example, let's say if we talk about the office environment, a director is meant to take each and every decision and no matter what decision he or she takes is the right decision. That's what we would think, or yep. in people would. That's not it. So, so that's the, the old adage it. of "I'll ask you for your opinion when I give it to you." Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I mean. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. You've you fascinated us. This is amazing. Oh. It's not often you see Mike and I stump the words, but actually, this is something we really need to think about. And it's uh, I don't know about you, Mike. Uh, this is amazing. It's yeah. a bit of a eureka movement. I think so. I I find it a bit mind-boggling to put this, to put the label unlearning onto something. Mm. Yeah. Um, It's an interesting concept. I think the lesson is to keep an open mind that just because something's been done this way for X number of years, decades, centuries, it doesn't necessarily mean that is the best way. Uh, No. It may very well be the best way. It's a concept we've returned to over and over again on behalf isn't yeah. it? So the biggest enemy to innovation is we've always done it this way. Mm. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. Another word similar to this one is transformation. Revolution and transformation, wherever they have come up, unlearning has been has played a part. Interesting. One of the things that we've always done this way, because we have always done it this way, is that when somebody's given a 60-second CPD, Julian produces a certificate. And that's something I'm not going to undo. I've done it again this time. There we go. This is a certificate of electronic wizardry. Oh. That's a nice smile. This is a smile here. This is to show your dentist. And Sylvia asked me to say that it's not her smile. Last. Not to tell you who's smiling here. There we go. And now on the, on the left-hand side, there's herbs and spices. And I think you'll recognize ginger and turmeric flowers there. Amazing. To be honest, Amazing I flowers. did not. But if my mother was here, she would have definitely... Well, shame life. on you. Shame on you, we got. Show this to your <laughs> mother. That's what she would say. Shame on you. <laughs> These were homegrown. The ginger wasn't homegrown. The turmeric was homegrown. And they make absolutely beautiful houseplants. So if anyone wants houseplants you can eat, then, then go for turmeric. The leaves are also edible. That would remind me of you. D- grow them then. There we go. And just right of centre here is our laparoscopic stack. And, and at the bottom there, our Ligashaw machine, which oh. you coaxed into new life so many times. Thank you very much for that. There we go. Um, yeah. Now, bef- well, before you. I found that lovely picture of a smile, I put in the, my computer. All, all, all of these are my own photos. And so I, I make it a rule that I can't trawl the internet for photos. I have to get them from my own supply. 
You can generate them using chat GBT. Absolutely. Did did you take out that photo from chat GBT? (laughs) (laughs) I should have done, but they're all from my photo collection. And so I put tooth in and uh, it came up with that, with that picture there, which is a mountain I climbed called Dante de Géant, Tooth of the Giant. But it was such a lovely picture. I, I included it. And the other things I put in, your name. Periwinkle flower. Periwinkle, absolutely. So we have periwinkles, flowers, and from periwinkles, we get vinca alkaloids. So they're very important in and cancer, cancer therapy. And I don't know if this has come out particularly well, but it is also the name of a little, little mollusk, a snail-like creature found on our seashells. And they, like you, if I could say, are absolutely exquisite. And so there we go. We, we have captured your some of your beauty, if I may say that, on our certificate here for you. And then you uh, two with no ramblings. That's just our trademark. Absolutely. That's what we do. That's so what we that's an AI-created editor. No, oh, I think I it was hand-drawn. No, it was hand-drawn. That was hand-drawn for us right in Thank the early you. days. And we've kept my own fair hands. Yeah. <laughs> thank you ever so much. That is beautiful. No, Periwinkle, thank you so yeah. much. It's been a, a fantastic evening. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Absolutely enjoyed it. Hang on. Absolutely enjoyed it. Hang on. I'm not, we're not, I, now we leave it, it to Mike because he does the proper thinking. I don't want to end it at this point. What? Well, no, no, we don't I want don't. to end it. But we we've to, we've Mike. asked Periwinkle lots and lots of questions this evening. And I think, it, and she's challenged us in our thinking and, and our minds to open our minds. But I'm wondering if we could ask Periwinkle to ask a question of our audience oh. and ask a reflection question. Indeed, because we put this forward for CPD. You can't get accreditation on CPD unless you've reflected on the question. Mm. Oh. Good thinking, Mike. Mm. Yeah. So over to you, Periwinkle. Have you got a question that you'd like to pose for our audience? A reflection question. Hmm. Okay. I know what I'm asking. Because I think each one of us want that. And that is, right, so my question would be, for the audience, are you content with your life? Because... It is success is a relative term. I have seen people say me ask or ask me about if oh you are successful, but no, being successful is a relative term. I would like somebody to ask me, or I would ask the audience: Are you content with your what in terms of what you are doing in your professional or personal life? Because if you are, then you already have what many individuals spend their lives chasing after. So that is one thing. Whether it is a king, it was a king, or whether it is somebody who is just a common man, each and every one, if unless he or she is contented in his or her own life, you can't have peace. Mm. I think think you're absolutely right. There's nothing worse than thinking, I want more. Somebody's better than me, or I want that, I want that. Oh, it it is good. Obviously, that makes life go on. There's got to be a drive, absolutely. There's got to be an ambition. Yeah, but that's different. And mm. what you have and acknowledging and being thankful for and then yeah, trusting the time of the universe is what makes you feel content. That's a lovely way to end it. I was going to say... Thank you I, very much. I'm speechless again. 
Well, Mike, I have met Julian. Obviously, he's mm-hmm. one of my good friends, and he is one of the idols in a professional world. A good name, yet so humble, gentle mm-hmm. person. But I haven't met you personally, obviously. Oh, oh. Today, it is. Oh, my- if anything, Mike's idler than me. <laughs> if that's the correct term. Well, I, I I do look forward to meeting you in person. Quite soon. My pleasure. It will be my absolute pleasure, Perry. When I'm sure at some point we'll be our paths will cross in in person. I look forward to that as well. And, so uh, do I. And it has been a pleasure meeting you virtually today. <laughs> but the pleasure has been all of ours, and I think our audience will agree. And all it beholds for me to say is that if you've enjoyed our ramblings with uh, Periwinkle Core, don't forget to drop us a line, say thank you, ask us any questions that you want, and uh, please share, and don't forget, subscribe. It really does make a big difference to us here on Veterinary Ramblings. So, Periwinkle Core, thank you so much for sharing your life and your insights and for challenging us. Quite, quite a cerebral challenge there. So yeah. all it beholds me to do is to say, may your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. I'm grateful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>